Hey, what's going on, everyone? It's Scriptwriter Steve. Today is January 2nd, 2021. It is a Saturday, so you know what that is. It's Screenwriting Saturdays, so we're not going to talk about barbecue. We're not going to talk about... Wait, we are going to talk about movies. But we are going to focus on everything from, from a screenwriting point of view. So it's going to get a little bit more nerdy than it usually is when we, when we talk about movies, whether or not this is good or bad. We're going to kind of dive into the reasons why um, you know certain movies are good or bad through a screenwriting perspective or a storyteller perspective. They are the exact same thing, whether you're a fictional writer or a journalist who may be a fictional writer. Why don't we just say that? Because a lot of journalists, they are fictional writers. Just really bad ones because they are so bad at lying. Really, really bad. Okay. So um, why don't we get into this uh, right after these messages. You know how it is. I got to pay the bills usually. So uh, I'll be right back after these words. Okay, I am back. I'm ready to chat it up about screenwriting, storytelling, and all that other good stuff. And um, anyway, so 2020 rolled around. We're in 2021, so everything's going to get better, right? I'm hoping it does. I'm really hoping. And um, I guess closing out 2020 uh, was the holidays, and we had the chance to, uh, I guess, get a few movies in there. And I'm sure, I'm pretty sure you saw Wonder Woman 84, and maybe you saw another movie called Fat Man. Um, and in case you haven't seen either the Fat Man or Wonder Woman 84, I suggest you tune out because I'm going to talk about a few spoilers here. I'm not going to go too deep into spoilers, but I will have a little, you know, in order to dive deep into these, like, you know, the little intricacies of screenwriting or storytelling, you got to talk a little bit about the movies, right? So, um, if you didn't see those movies and you want to see them, you don't want to learn anything about it, tune out now, all right? So I'm going to count down, give you 10 seconds, 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Too late. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. All right. So why don't we get straight into this? Two movies came out, Fat Man and Wonder Woman 84. And one was much better than the other, and one just flat out sucked. Wonder Woman 84 flat out sucked. If you look at the reviews online, people by, by far, by a far majority, hated this movie. People who were waiting, and, and you know, trust me, I was one of them. I was so excited. I wanted to see this movie because I, I thought Wonder Woman, the first one, was way better. Than, I think it was way, out of all the DC, I guess, um, movies that came out, including Superman, including Superman vs. Batman, and Justice League, and all, all those things, Wonder Woman, like, was, was like, above the rest by a million miles. Like, really, really high. And I think it was one of, you know, one of my favorite superhero movies out there. And, um, you know, why was it good? Well, I don't want to get into why was it, you know, good back then, but a lot of it has to, to do with the writing team more than the director because the writing team was much, much better. And in Wonder Woman 84, the, <laughs> the screenplay and the story was created by Patty, Patty Jenkins and she was given more authority over the story and that's why it kind of messed up. She's not as good of a screenwriter as she is a director and she's more of a play it safe director if you, you know, if you get my drift here. So I'm hoping she is... <laughs> Oh boy, she is drafted or given the opportunity to do Wonder Woman 3. 
And um, hopefully she has no... Um, hopefully they, they have a different screenwriting team on there because if she's uh, in charge of the story again, boy, are we in for trouble. So Fat Man... Now, Fat Man, the premise was extremely silly and probably a little bit stupid. You know, when you watch the re- review, not the reviews, but the um, the trailer online, and when, and uh, it looks as though it's a mix between Die Hard and Santa Claus, where Santa Claus is trying to play, you know, John McClane, and he's out there hunting kids with a gun, like, are you naughty or nice? And this is he's going to take out justice on on bad kids, right? Because he's just a pissed off Santa. Well, that's not what the film was about, but the trailer almost looks like it is. And the trailer was so bad that a lot of people thought um, that the movie was fake and that this Mel Gibson was in on this prank. Uh, but the movie was actually a real movie. And, and the only way, um, reason why I learned or how I learned from it was my the person at the supermarket who I'm friends with a lot of people. I'm not really close friends, but you know the the person who was checking us out. And I always go there late at night, you know, to get like a get to get like a snack. And um, he says, "Hey, did you see that trailer on Fat Man? Yeah, it's, it's like Die Hard and Santa Claus and all that. You know, well, Gibson is gonna go shoot kids." I'm like, really? <laughs> so, so I took, so, um, I, you know, I, I, I took a gamble. I paid, I think, $7.99 for it. I think they had it on sale on Amazon Prime. And I saw it. And I tell you what, Fat Man is, <laughs> it's one of the best written movies out there. Um, it's really well directed. It's really well acted. And you know, even though the premise is flat out silly, and the premise is very simple, um, you know, Santa Claus, uh, He's just a depressed Santa Claus. He tried giving and being generous to the world, and the kids are not turning out the way they wanted to. Because and he would also he gave not through generosity more so, but gener- he gave with a purpose to to change kids, to encourage them to be to follow their dreams. And even the character um, that was trying to kill him, the assassin who they labeled Skinny Man, he actually had no name in the movie. In the script, they just labeled him Skinny Man. Fat Man was Santa. Um, Santa hoped that he would become a cop and he gave him a little toy cop car, but he never did. He became an assassin instead. You know, maybe he would have become a really good cop, but, um, he became, you know, he became an assassin and just was, there was not much to his character, but, you know, Fat Man, Fat Man worked. Um, I, I told my mom and my parents to go see it. They loved it. And, uh, they also saw Wonder Woman and they hated it. My, my my mom, who was looking so much forward to Wonder Woman, she hated it. And she's not a screenwriter. You know, she's just a regular person. Um, my, my co-writer, um, Keith, uh, he hated it too. And, and again, he he's one of those guys, though, who just, you know, plucks out plot hole after plot hole or loophole after loophole. And we're going to get into that because this entire podcast today is all, all about plot holes versus loopholes. All right. And why Fat Man worked and why Wonder Woman 84 didn't work. So why don't we get straight into that anyway, too? So I, I'm, maybe if you saw Wonder Woman 84, you, I think, I'm thinking, unless you're a professional movie critic, you didn't like it. And by the way, the professional movie critics hated, hated, hated Fat Man. Um, and regular people, they basically loved it. So if you look at the, if, and it's kind of interesting because sometimes you look at the, you know, the critic reviews and the movie and the regular fan reviews, a lot of times they're polar opposites because I think partly because some of the critics are paid off um, and some of them just overthink things. They're way too smart. They take their job way too serious and, and they really can't have a good time. They really can't, 
you know, get lost in a world. And um, so why did Fat Man work? And why did Wonder Woman 84 not work? Well, it comes down to basically loopholes. Now, what the hell are loopholes? Now, you've heard of plot holes before, right? And everybody, usually the, even the, the amateur critics, well, actually, I, I take that back, the professional YouTube critics, um, they're not professional writers, right? So they don't know the difference between a plot hole and a loophole. And even the current writers not right now, they just kind of label all holes as plot holes. But there is a difference. Um, you know, again, I, I come from the old school, um, you know, theory of writing. And maybe I, I created this on my own way back then. Uh, but there is a difference between a plot hole and a loophole. And I want to, I want to get into this because if you want to become a really good writer, even a journalist, right? Or <laughs> if you want to spot lies, it's pretty easy. Uh, it's pretty easy if you know the difference. So a plot hole, is a hole. Now they're both different types of log. They're both logical or reasoning holes, right? They're they're a hole where all logic exists. I mean, it ceases to exist, and you have to either explain it away or you have to do more research. Okay, so a plot hole is um, it's a hole that greatly affects the plot, specifically the plot. All right, it's not a, a lapse in judgment. Okay, it's a it's a hole that greatly affects the plot, like the outcome. When you write a movie, you're creating an argument. And during the first two acts, you're creating this equation. You're, you're trying to sell, dur during the movie, you're trying to sell the entire audience on your, uh, basically on the uh, uh, this, this equation that you're creating. And at the end, the third act, you want them to believe, because you, be you believe the equation, you're going to believe the, the sum of all total at the end, right? And um, if you're successful in, in making the audience believe in the equation, then they'll believe the sum of all total arguments that you made. And they'll believe the solution that you made at the end. Again, it's this very big logical equation that you created in a fictional world, and you want them to believe what you are trying to argue in the end, okay? So that's what it is. Now, a plot hole... When you, when you when we talk about plot holes, you are affecting that equation. And you're, what you're doing is that if you create plot holes that the audience can't really you know, believe, then, then it, it'll, it'll throw your, and you, and you force this equation on at the end, then, you, then you're not being very honest with the, you know, you know, the, the argument that you made. So that's what a plot hole is, okay? So for example, okay, and I just, uh, maybe I lost you there. But why don't we, I'll just give you an example. For The Rise of Skywalker, remember that movie? That, that, that was the episode nine of the Star Wars franchise, Rise of Skywalker. And Palpatine, in the end, this is act three, he's telling Rey to strike him down so he can rule the world, right? And she literally does this, yet nothing happens. So that's a plot hole right there. Because the, <laughs> even during, you know, Luke Skywalker days, Palpatine wanted Luke Skywalker to strike me down, right? And Luke refused to kill him. He didn't want to, he didn't want to embrace, his, embrace his anger because he knew what would happen, right? And um, so here, Ray actually strikes him down, kills him, and, well, the Emperor got what he wanted. He, they made that argument for decades, right? 
And this is Palpatine's really, you know, vast plan to, to, so he can gain control of the universe and, and get raised power. And nothing happens. <laughs> That's a huge plot hole. You know, again, a plot hole is equivalent to, you know, you have Superman who we know is allergic to kryptonite and then arguing at the end, well, he's not allergic to kryptonite because um, he just thinks he's not. And the, and the audience would say, what the hell? No, no, no. This, <laughs> this doesn't make sense. Okay. And uh, so that it kind of explains what a plot hole is. You know, you have this equation where you make all of these arguments right in the beginning. Act one and act two, the begin, act one and act two is the beginning and middle of a movie. You're making all of these arguments, right? And then all of a sudden at the end, the sum of all total, the consequences of all these arguments, it doesn't make sense. And because you forced this, this, uh, this, this solution onto the audience, which has a lot of holes. It doesn't, it doesn't, it does, you made an argument which the outcome is different, right? And the audience can spot that. And they'll say, that's a plot hole. And, you know, you know it's, it's only a plot hole if a writer or a director, they forget to explain it. Most of the time, it works out that way. And, or they forget to prepare the audience for it. And, um, you know, sometimes plot holes, uh, they happen during the editing process uh, because the explanation ends up on the cutting room floor. I've actually personally seen that where they're saying, oh, this movie's too long. We're going to, you know, we're going to cut this out. And they say, oh, but the, and, and the director will make an argument. says, well, there's going to be a huge hole in the movie, right? And, um, but then they'll, they'll cut it out. It'll end up on the, the editing room floor. And then the, in the extended version, all of a sudden you get that, that explanation, you know, in, in the movie, right? So a lot of times the extended versions are a lot better because it fills in all the plot holes. It fills in all the character motivations and everything, which again, you know, if you're, if your characters are not right, they're not hashed out correctly. Those can become plot holes um, as well because certain personalities, again, characters, right? They drive the story. So if you don't actually, you know, create a believable character and they drive the story in the opposite direction, like say, for example, if you have a person who, who hates love, hates love, hates love, and they end up loving in the end, but you don't explain it throughout the entire thing, well, that's a plot hole right there. Okay. Now, to be honest, there's not many, you know, there's not many movies out there and even television shows out there that have plot holes. They really don't have a lot of plot holes in there um, because, uh, you know, writers, for the most part, they do write them out. And you'll find maybe one or two, but there's nothing major where people will say, oh, you know, I, I don't, you know, I don't really understand what's happening. And then you have some YouTubers out there who try to say, well, I'm going to try to explain to you why Yoda did this or why Luke Skywalker did this. And they'll have this entire thing. And maybe the writer, you know, said, you know, writer believed what, what the YouTubers believe in, or maybe not. Maybe the YouTubers are making some type of excuse. Excuse, um, but <laughs> you, you never know. You really, really never know. But again, plot holes—it's—it's it's pretty tough to find them. Now there are there were some plot holes over there in um over there in, in Wonder Woman, but it mostly came down to the characters because these types of characters were just poorly written, and these were the type of characters to to um you know. These weren't the type of characters, and the character reactions didn't make any sense. So, say for example, Maxwell Lord in Wonder Woman. Uh, I'm not sure if he was a supposed to be a, a version of Donald Trump or not. I, I didn't get that per se, other than the hair. Uh, but you know, he's a Type Three achiever. Image is everything to him, 
and uh, you know he he's obsessed with accolades and winning. He wants to be rich, you know, and and he, and he's a workaholic. But again, he's creating this fake fake persona. And a lot of unhealthy type threes um, or, or achievers, they are con men. All right, but here's the thing: <laughs> healthy type threes, healthy achievers, are so charming. They're so they're incredible con men that you don't know that they're conning you. In this sense, Maxwell Lord, he just seems slimy. He's not even, a, he has no charm whatsoever. He seems like a very bad version of a used car salesman. I mean, so bad where, you know, everyone in the world figures out, well, you know, why trust this guy? You know, why trust him at all? And all of a sudden, you have like, a, you know, the audience, you know, the director wants you to believe, well, you know, the world just wants to trust him and all that. Well, again, this huge plot hole there. No. The world will not get conned by a person like this. People are not that stupid. No one will look at Maxwell Lord and say, hey, let's give this guy a billion dollars because he's, you know, he, he must know where oil is. No, I don't think so. I really, really don't think so. Okay. But what really, really, you know, throws, we're going to go back to, to a second here. What really throws the audience um, through a, for a loop are what they call logical loopholes. Now, there's a difference now, right, between a plot hole and a logical loophole. A loophole is what usually everyone kind of, when they start nitpicking out a movie, they'll start finding tons of them because a lot of writers are just lazy. So what the hell is a logical loophole? Well, it's anything that defies common sense and logic. So say, for example, um, a logical loophole in a movie would be, say, for example, I have a 9mm Glock. And I'm going to shoot out a 747 that's flying at around 34,000 feet. And I shoot it down with my Glock. Well, people say, what the? You can't do that with a Glock. You, you, know? <laughs> you know? And then, because you can't. It's impossible. The bullet won't, won't travel that high into the sky. It just doesn't have the velocity to it. You can't do that for anything, with any gun, you know, per se, right? Especially a 9mm. It, it just won't fly that far. You put that into a script, people are going to laugh at you. But again, so what happens when you start like um, putting these logical loopholes in movies? What um, and writers? Now you ask why? Are, why do? You, why does it happen? Well, one reason why is that writers fail to actually educate themselves about a particular subject. So in my my in, in my sense, you know, of, of uh, my, my example of like using a Glock to, to shoot down a seven forty seven flying at thirty four thousand feet, they just fail to educate themselves about guns. Now I've seen this before. They've they've done these types of things, right? Where they you know they're they're shooting they're they're actually saying, oh you know this guy with a nine millimeter can shoot a person that that's about like you know five hundred yards away. No, that can't happen, you know. But you see them doing this in movies. You see them like emptying out guns and having about one hundred rounds in a in a clip in a nine millimeter Glock. They don't do their research into it. So. And a big problem with this is that they think they can get away with it because the audience is either A, stupid, or forgiving. Now, there's another reason why. They are too stupid or arrogant to realize what they're doing is idiotic. And I, I think that's a big, big reason reason why uh, a lot of these logical loopholes exist. Um, I think Patty Jenkins in Wonder Woman, she just doesn't know personality. She doesn't know how to create believable, believable characters. Now, you know, Maxwell Lord, Maxwell Lord, the original Maxwell Lord in the comics, he was a very, very strong telepath. 
a telepath. He could control minds of people, even superheroes. He controlled the mind of Superman and Batman. And then Wonder Woman, in order to, to save the world, because he was controlling Superman and Batman, she had to snap the neck of Maxwell Lord. How do you like that? Could you imagine a, a story like that? That's just amazing. <laughs> but he took that away. She rewrote Maxwell Lord into this bumbling fool, used car salesman, like who no one believes can sell, you know, anything. You know, a, you know, a really good type three retriever can sell ice to an Eskimo. This guy can't sell, you know, nothing. He can't sell anything. He can't even sell himself. <laughs> and he and the, she wants the audience to believe that. Oh, this guy is a very um, a wealthy businessman. No. How the hell did he ever get to this point of wealth? Even if he had an empty, an empty building and not many people there, there working and everything, how did he ever, ever even get that? Another loophole, right? Now, what happens is that um, <laughs> when, when logical loopholes happen, they are more likely to, 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 to cause an audience to be, to be disengaged with the fictional world that you created. So if you have too much of them, that audience member will just say, hey, wait a minute, I spotted one. Let's see if I can spot another. And they'll, spot, they'll start spotting another and another and another and another. And they'll start whispering to their friend next door, hey, did you see, they, um, see that? And they'll start talking to each other. Wait, wait a minute. And then when they go into the car later on after the movie, they start picking it apart saying, well, that can't happen. That can't happen. That can't happen. And all of a sudden, they hate the movie. And they start hating the movie throughout the whole thing because none of this makes sense. I mean, over there in... um. <laughs> Let's see here. I have a list here. Over there in Wonder Woman, you know, I, I have the, all these logical loopholes. Well, I have uh, plot holes and loopholes, right? How did everyone in the world understand Maxwell Lord's broadcast when he only spoke in English? Remember, he was broadcasting to the world, speaking only in English, and all of a sudden, you have people of all different, like, you know, in China, Japan, and, you know, Arabs and all that. They're all, they're all you know, understanding English. Huh. She didn't explain that, Right? And was everyone who made a wish selfish? It didn't make sense. And how did Maxwell Lord hear everyone's wishes? Was he? And why was Wonder Woman's wish granted when she didn't say it? And why did Stephen Trevor return in someone else's body and not his own? And what about the travel time? Now, travel time, that could be a plot hole. Like, every, like all of a sudden, Wonder Woman's in like Israel or some someplace. Was, he, was she in Israel? But anyway, she's halfway around the world. Then all of a sudden... She's, she's back in, where was she? Was she in Chicago or was she in New York? I forgot where the hell she was. But she's back in the United States. And there's no, you know, and she's back with a snap of a finger like that. No teleporting. Just, just right, just right, right back there. And oh, about the invisible plane. <laughs> like, how can that plane, this is almost bad as the Glock firing it down the 747. That little plane cannot fly around the road without gas. I mean, it's, it's in the Smithsonian. You're telling me they have fully fueled up planes at the Smithsonian? And all of a sudden, why, why, why does the Smithsonian have an active runway? I mean, I, do they? I'm not sure. <laughs> so, so, I mean, there's all these holes. So, so even myself, I got triggered and I started looking for holes and holes and holes. And there's so many of them. You can't stop finding them. I mean, so it gets bad. It gets really bad. <laughs> and here's the thing. When F Fat Man whose premise is a lot more silly. It doesn't have these logical loopholes. It doesn't have these plot holes in there. So the audience 
won't get they won't be get dragged out of that world they're creating it's it's done really well even though we're talking about a very silly premise you know santa with a gun right that's silly it's really silly oh you know he has a he has a, a hitman who is upset because santa didn't grant his wish that that um that he wished every year to, this this is this assassin when he was younger wished that Santa would just replace his parents and Santa couldn't do it and that's why he wants to kill Santa. That is a stupid, that is stupid motivation, really. And he and this, this assassin dedicates his entire life to to trying to find Santa so he could kill him. That's silly, but you know what? I bought it hook, line, and sinker. Because there weren't many plot holes, if any. And I'm, I'm, and here's the thing. You can have plot holes. You can have loopholes and all those things. But if you create believable characters, if you create, you know, if you create a really well written script with not many logical loopholes and you try to explain everything away in a way that's pretty, you know, it, it, it teeters among this edge. You, you trace that little thin line of common sense and, and fiction, right? And, and if you do it right, the audience will believe anything you say, anything, anything. You can, you can make it really, really believable. Okay, so here's the thing, okay? Now, for me, for me, and this is purely from a screenwriting point of view, all right? Um, one of the big things here, one of the big failures of Wonder Woman and then, you have, and, and, and then successes of Fat Man was in Fat Man, you actually had characters that were canon to reality. So when I say canon to reality, that's saying just saying, you know, if you take reality, it's canonized to to what you feel is real, right? So in 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 um in Fat Man, the main antagonist is actually this little kid called Billy Weenan or Wenin. And um he's this rich kid, obsessed with his image, success, accolades, everything. Typical type three. And and he's so charming. And um you know, he's, he's, he's very cunning, extremely cunning. So he's a little kid and, and his character is written and, and he, he really acts really well too. And, and um, he, he's so bad that he actually steals money from his grandmother to hire this assassin to, to try to, to, to intimidate this young girl who won a, 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 a science project over his. He hired an assassin, stole his grandmother's money and charmed his grandmother too. And this guy is so, and then he also hired this uh, assassin to go kill Santa. This is a bad kid. Now, again, it's kind of ludicrous, but it's written, his character, the way it's acted is so much more believable. Like, wow, that kid is so good. And he's acting like an adult. He's not acting like a cartoon figure of, of, um, of a type three achiever. Now we, now we go over to Wonder Woman and we have, again, who is that? That um that character Maxwell Lord again a type three they're both type threes, and his is a comical version not even believable even though he's an adult, a businessman again all into image accolades and everything right a con man right and would do anything to win, but because his version of an achiever is so unrealistic, well, the audience will say well if I can't believe the antagonist, if I can't believe this is truly a bad guy then I can't believe this movie. You know, you check out right there. This this bad person, this villain, he's not good enough to propel the movie. And here's another note too. Your movie or your story is only as strong as the villain. So if you have, again, Maxwell Lord, who's a poorly written villain, you're going to have a poorly written movie. Versus Billy Wenin, 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 I have no idea how to pronounce it. He's a really well-written type three and really well-acted. 
And this guy, Pedro Pascal, by the way, over there in Wonder Woman, he's a very good actor. He was a Mandalorian. I love the Mandalorian. He, he's so good in there, you know? I mean, and he's good in a lot. I've seen him in a lot of different other movies. And they, you know, Patty Jenkins just abused him. You give him, you give Pedro Pascal this character to play with? Really? He could have played this really cunning Maxwell Lord. Imagine if he was a telepath. So strong. He could control everyone. He could, he could control Steve Trevor. He could control, control the president. Control every, even control Wonder Woman. Wouldn't that be incredible? Huh. So this is where we're at right now. Now, here's, here's the fun thing about it. This technique of spotting logical loopholes and plot holes is how I spot liars. So <laughs> this is how the FBI spots liars. Because here's the thing. When, when you, a lot of times when people lie, they're not just, they're, they're, they're storytelling. Now, when people communicate, they, they tell stories. Like right now, I'm communicating to you, I'm telling a story. But when you tell a story live, when you tell a story in person, like how I am right now, this is totally unscripted. You, you start stuttering over your own words, you, you're, 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 um, you're, what is, what is that word here? Your, your thoughts are all jumbled up. You know, you can't think. Even what I'm talking about now, it's kind of a little jumbled up, right? So people will not, it's hard to lie if you don't have your story down. So you're going to have plot holes and plot holes and plot holes and plot holes out there. So it's very easy to find like when, when FBI or the police, they investigate a criminal who's not very intelligent most of the time, they'll have plot holes in there. They'll say, oh, where were you here at this time? What were you eating? And he's always here and I was eating this and then I went to here and then they'll find out, well, you can't drive from point A to point B in five minutes. You can't do that. So there's a plot hole right there. So they know for a fact there's a lie right there. And what I'm finding in the media, and what I'm finding in the, in fact, in, in a lot of the Democratic parties as we're going through this, through this election, there's plot holes galore in their arguments. When they, when they say there's no election fraud, no proof of election fraud, none. Well, you have all of these witnesses out there that have all of these, that's actually proof. When you have a witness, that's, that's called proof. It's actually viable in court. Do you remember when they actually impeached President Trump? They called upon all these witnesses who didn't witness anything, but they were considered <laughs> substantial witnesses, very viable to impeaching President Trump. They impeached him on this, on this fact, right? With, when no witnesses witnessed anything. Now you have witnesses who witnessed something and they're saying there's no witness and there's no evidence. So again, there's a plot hole. You got them in their like pretzel of thinking right there. They're lying to you. You know, when they're, when CNN tells you, well, these Dominion machines and, or Fox, they'll tell you, well, these Dominion machines, you know, they're very reputable. Well, a couple years ago and this couple years ago, and you can find it on YouTube. Wait, they're doing reports on these Dominion machines, how easily it could be hacked and how easily the votes could be, be manipulated. Fox, CNN, HBO did a special on them. And, and all of a sudden, because Trump is, is losing and Biden won, these same machines, which they said just a year or two ago that you can't be trusted, all of a sudden you can't be trusted. Oh, huge plot hole. I thought they were trying to make the argument that they couldn't be trusted. That's the same thing as saying, hey, you know, Superman isn't allergic to kryptonite. I thought you were telling us for years he was. Same thing. They were telling us for years that these Dominion machines couldn't be trusted, and now they can? Plot hole. Logical loophole? Maybe. That's more of a plot hole. 
And that's why a lot of a lot of people are out there saying like, what? They're throwing their hands and saying, what? Even I'm saying, there's something going on here because that's a really bad lie. Huge bad lie. So again, that's how I use <laughs> screenwriting or storytelling to troubleshoot, to, I guess, or, or just pick out liars or, or to really, you know, I can tell it when, when, a, when a person is on t- television and they're flat out lying and their, their statement isn't well, well prepared and that they're talking off the cuff. Well, it's really easy to see them. Like for me, I can say, wow, there's just a hole right there in their entire thing. There's a hole in their entire thinking. You know, and I, I can just pick it right apart. Now, I can, you know, it, <laughs> tell you the truth, these plot holes exist everywhere. They even exist in conspiracy theories. So, you know, again, we take a look at some conspiracy theories, like say, for example, bombs brought down the World Trade Center, all right? And then they'll have all these people who believe that bombs brought, brought down the World Trade Center, and they make this argument. Um, and this, this argument, uh, you know, a lot of even good people believe that road, that the bombs were brought, but bombs brought down the World Trade Center. Firemen, some, some other experts do believe that. And they say, oh, you know, the, look at the way it actually compacted. But then if you take a look, if you do some research into that, and why is this a logical loophole and also a plot hole? Because the way, the way um, buildings are actually imploded is that it takes months and months and months of time to actually to, to, um, to demolish a building. They'll have to take out supporting walls, you know, they'll, they'll bust down supporting walls, and then they'll have to wire this building up in, in, with different types of explosives, and these explosives are, you know, are detonated in a certain order in order for this building to, you know, basically implode on itself. You can't just put bombs into a building and then just, you know, hope that it comes down, especially especially the Road Trade Center. And by the way, they tried doing that to the Road Trade Center, but it didn't work. So this is what happened there. But then again, even with that information there, you and you try to tell these people, here's the plot hole, again, these conspiracy theories, you say, here's the plot hole, why it can't happen. And... They still believe it because they, again, <laughs> they're sewn on it. And once they go down that rabbit hole, oh boy, sometimes there's no coming back. And, but you, again, now you have, you know, again, people on both sides of the aisle who are, who believe in conspiracy theories. And I don't want to point out just Republicans. I, my, my, I myself am a Republican, but again, through my background, I kind of avoid, you know, getting trapped in all, into all of these, you know, conspiracy theories, you know. But, um, I still listen. You got to still listen and then you can kind of like, Listen to their argument and then criticize after. And that's what I always want to say. You know, listen, criticize, figure out all the plot holes and loopholes. And if you can't find any, maybe there's something there. Really. I'm serious about that. Listen to it. So even if you're on the other side of the aisle, and even if you're like, you know, again, you're looking at this movie or whatever it is, or this article or this person or anything, listen to their entire story. Even if they're a murderer, you know, convicted and they want to tell their story, you know, they're on death row and say, I'm innocent and this, you know, I'll listen to their story, find out if there's plot holes and, and loopholes inside there. And if they have this pretty good story and it makes sense and it, and it all checks out, maybe they're telling the truth or maybe they're a really skilled storyteller. And that's, by the way, is when it gets really scary. It gets very, very, very scary when that happens. Now, there are very skilled storytellers out there who are really good liars, extremely good liars. So that's where you have to also be careful. And those are like the best con men. <laughs> They're so good, they even fool me. They say, wow, this story entirely makes sense. You know, and I tell you what, I got fooled. I really got fooled. So what does this, this all mean for you as a screenwriter or a storyteller? Well, 
It just means that you have to be a careful writer, right? Be honest with what you write. If you're writing a script and you are writing it, like say, for example, if you want to become a professional screenwriter, by the way, most of the time you're going to be writing other people's work. Now, when that happens, you have to make sure you be, you are you are um, that you follow the rules of that world that your characters exist in, all right? And you follow the rules that the characters actually are. So these characters, sometimes you're going to be writing characters and they've been established, you know, by the original author or sometimes if you're, say, for example, if you're writing for Marvel or, or writing for Disney and, you know, you're, you have to write like the next Little Mermaid, right? Well, you have to respect the lore. You really do. Expect, you know, really respect the fictional world that was created, created by the original um, author and respect the character. Don't go on your own and create your own agenda. And that's when you start doing that, all of a sudden your movie becomes an agenda-driven movie and you create all these plot holes and you won't plug them. You won't plug them because you want to push your agenda. Because it's more important that you, that you push an agenda than write a good movie that the fans would love. And that's the problem with, t- with today's screenwriters and directors. Everything is agenda-driven. Okay, I'm just, I'm just going off on a tangent right now. All right, so that's today's uh, show for Script Writing Saturdays. I hope uh, I didn't go off of too much of a, I guess, in, in the dark place. I'm just talking here. So. And, but I hope you understand what I'm talking about. I really, really do. Be very careful with what you write. You know, respect the lore. Um, write out every single type of hole you can possibly have. If somebody comes up with an idea and says, hey, you know, <laughs> I think it'll be better, you know, do, you know, written this way. Listen to them. Really listen to them. Don't, you know, don't get all defensive. <laughs> They're just trying to help. You know, the other day, like, um, I, I sent over my um, script, or, or my, not script, but one of my stories that I'm writing over to a friend of mine over there in Africa. And she came back with me and said, hey, I think this, this character, it seems kind of li- little set up. Maybe if this happened beforehand. I looked at it and said, you know, I was a little defensive. I said, no, I don't think I have to. And then she said, no. And then I thought about it. Oh, maybe she's right. Only, I only had to write in a paragraph to fix it. Only a paragraph. And it, tell you what, it comes out better. So you just have to, you just got to listen and do it. And they'll help you plug all these holes, plot holes, logical loopholes and all that. Don't be a freaking arrogant person. that think, oh, you know, you know, you know it all. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right, people. That is it for today. I am out of here. I'll start broadcasting more. Um, the next show will be Barbecue Two Movies. I got to get my friend Keith on. You know, I want to do a full review of um, Fat Man, Wonder Woman, and um, there's another show out. There. Oh, the Superman one with uh, the Russian one. So um, I want to do that with Keith though. Keith really knows the stuff, and you guys would really like. Him. Well, you guys do. You're, you already heard him. Um, he, he's one of my, he's my co-author, creative consultant, and he's also my other pitmaster when I go barbecuing. He's my co-pitmaster. So uh, hope to hear from you soon. Um, stay around. If you like my podcast, share it. Uh, sorry if my thoughts are all around and jumbled around, but that's why I am sometimes. All right, talk to you guys later. Bye.